UCLA Radio. How's it going? Welcome to Woke Up Call. I'm Alex. I'm Sunny. And, and this is this UCLA is... Radio News. Ayo. News Hour. Y'all ready for um, some exciting stories of injustice? <laughs> Ooh, getting hyped. Ow, ow. Um, I'm not sad at all. Hee <laughs> Uh yeah, Allison, you got a you got a hot one for us. Okay, no, I've just had a weird day, and I have some information I think that the people need, and it's that uh this morning I got a text from uh, my ex that said uh I love you too, and I was like, Ex- excuse you, Allison, no, don't <laughs> get away from him. He's <laughs> like, did I ask? Did I did I say? Did I black out? What's going on? Um, so I told him, like, I didn't say that, and I thought maybe he was just being weird and, like, trying to, you know, find an in to talk to me again. But turns out, uh, a bunch across all different carriers, Apples and Androids, they're, they've resent Valentine's Day text messages. So a bunch of text messages that were sent on February 4th last, or 14th last year, have been resent with today's date. That is... Hilarious and so funny, and I'm so glad it happened to you and not me. I'm um, so mad. That is my literal nightmare. Um, wow. Yeah. This is why we need to break up big tech. <laughs> anyway, that's that's the first injustice of today. It's a uh, my Allison's morning. love life. <laughs> um, but. Back to serious news. Um, if you're living in California or know of what's happening in California, you know that California is on fire. All the time. That's just what we do here. Um, if you were listening to our last show, you would have heard us get a notification about a fire during <laughs> yeah. it. And we were like, should we stay on the air or should we leave? Um, yeah. yeah. Though... Because we know fires, they can just happen, and they affect lots of people all the time. Like, you're not special. You're not safe. It could just happen. Yes. <laughs> Fire, scary, terrible. But we've talked about PG&E before, yeah. and um, do you want to explain what PG&E is? Pacific and- Gas and Electric. It's uh, the utility company for all of Northern California. So I think it's like... It's the vast majority of California, and it's the largest utility company in the country. So, Very big. And yeah. they have been responsible for a lot of the fires up north. Yeah, a lot of the really deadly ones, like the famously deadly one in, like towards Redding. That one was caused by, yeah, PG&E. And um, so our, the last time we talked about PG&E was because... Going into fire season, their strategy was to turn off people's power. In yeah. So there's like a bunch of overgrown uh, trees and stuff that are all dried out and like shrubbery, whatever, that could catch fire that they should be maintaining. Like they should be maintaining these wires and making sure they're clear. Uh, but instead of putting money into that, they are putting money instead into their shareholders and making more of a profit. And so they decided to turn off people's power instead of, like, taking down those branches. Which really affected people who need power for their medical conditions, Mm -hmm. people's 
groceries and their fridge. Um, yeah, people depend on power, and that really messed them up. So um, currently, PG&E is going through bankruptcy, which PG&E, yeah, it's a private um, utility company. It's not owned by the public. Um, so they're going through bankruptcy because of its liability for wildfires caused by downed power lines. Um, and when it gets out of bankruptcy, there will be new ownership because of the way they've handled um, all of this. All of this. <laughs> and the hundred or a lot of people have died because of this. So many people have lost their homes. Um, yeah, so new owner will be coming. And um, hedge fund managers are clamoring for control. And Governor Gavin Newsom has proposed Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway as a potential owner. Um, But it doesn't actually have to be owned by a private. It doesn't have to be a private utility anymore. It could also come out as a public agency. The state of California should be the one buying it. And we should all be the owners of it because it's a it's a utility like this is a public thing that we all use that lives in our public space. It is public infrastructure that this power is running through. Like, we should be the owners of it. Yeah, and also, like, I mean, time and time again, PG&E has been fined for mismanagement and because of all these controversies, but it doesn't seem to be able to hold itself accountable, and it does not seem to put the public good before its own profits. Yeah. Which, yeah. So Governor Newsom has hinted at being open for public ownership. Um, and the options for that are one, muni- mun- can you say this word? Municipalitization. Municipal, <laughs> I can't. I, I know my weakness. Um, and that means cities buy out the electrical infrastructure within their own borders. Or option two would be breaking up the company into regional utilities or alternatively creating one big public utility district that would subsume PG&E completely. Um, Governor Newsom said, it is my hope that the stakeholders in PG&E will put parochial interests aside and reach a negotiated resolution so that we can create this new company and forever put the old PG&E behind us. If the parties fail to reach an agreement quickly to begin this process of transformation, the state will not hesitate to step in and restructure the utility. The deadline for them to come out of bankruptcy with a new owner and a new structure is June 30th, 2020. But it seems that if they wait till then, Governor Newsom will hop in and break them up. Break them up, Gavin! Hold them accountable. Um, Yeah, so... Hopefully that happens. Yeah, because, I mean, municipalization, municipal, whatever. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's how L.A. works. So it's Los Angeles, like, District of Water and Power. Or in Sacramento, which is another, just a city in the north that's outside of PG&E's limits for whatever reason. It's because they wanted to have their own utility company. It's SMUD. It's Sacramento, whatever, utility Ooh, district. I like that name. SMUD. Yeah. Cute. <laughs> um in more fiery news. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're in a fire crisis uh, in as California. Always. As always. Because of global warming and <laughs> uh. Uh, existential dread. <laughs> um, but a lot of the fires are actually being fought by inmates. So 2,500 inmates are trained to fight fires. But, um, and, yeah, they fight fires. They put their lives at risk. They're trained 
Um, but their criminal records make it pretty much impossible to become firefighters after their release. So they're trained, they put their lives on the line, they're trained with all these skills, they can do the job, but because of their records in California, they are not able to get their emergency medical technician license. So basically, when they train you know, people in prison to do things, they like to say it's like an internship, right? So these people get paid between 2 to $5 a day for this. And Putting what, their lives at risk. Right. So it's, it's literal slave labor. But they pass it off saying, but you're learning good skills and this is what's going to help you on the outside, right? Like, so even if we're not paying you that much, it's still for your benefit. But then it's not for their benefit because they can't actually do that job. Yeah. So it's just slave labor so we don't have to pay real firefighters. Exactly. And I don't know. I feel like shouldn't we want more, like, firefighters who are trained already um, in a fire crisis? I don't know. Also, inmates are more than four times as likely per capita to incur object-induced injuries such as cuts, bruises, dislocations, and more than eight times as likely to be injured after inhaling smoke and particulates compared to other firefighters. So I don't, I, if I was an inmate, I do not know why I would want to be a firefighter um, or an inmate firefighter. Right, because they have less training, so they're less safe. And then on top of that, they don't have access to good medical care because prison. And they're often put at more risk. So, yeah. Ay, ay, ay. It's not good. Not great. But it saves California like hundreds of millions. So they just keep doing it. Even though people have called them out and said like, hey, you guys, this is wrong. Every year there's like an uproar about this. But like we're not investing in actually paying people to fight these fires. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, state state government doesn't like paying people. Um, <laughs> a continued trend yeah. at UCLA. Um, <laughs> In June, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York announced that 500 NYPD, MTA, and Bridge and Tunnel officers would soon be taken off their current beats and assigned to 100 different fair-beating hotspots across town um, in an effort to fight fair beating. I guess that's the word. Yeah, yeah. So the the New York subways, people... The subways, yeah. Yeah. The New York subways, people just, you know, hop over the... Turn styles. Turn styles and like whatever. Go on trains when they're not supposed to. And New York has historically kind of had a bad transit system. Um, people are very upset about the state of the MTA. Their trains are always late. So this is Andrew, or yeah, this is Governor Cuomo's um, solution, which fares are $2.75. Right. So. The whole idea of having a higher, like, police presence in the subway system, I think, was partially because of um, the fares, but also partially because people think that they're dirty or people, like, don't like to look at homeless people or people, you know, it's more about an aesthetic thing than it is about actual, like, money we're losing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, But, so that was back in June when this happened. Um and like there's slowly been um, dissent from the public, but two instances um, in last week really pushed New Yorkers over the edge. In the first instance, um, last Friday, 
Police were seen pointing their guns at a crowded train car before tackling a 19-year-old Adrian Napier, who was believed to be in possession of a weapon. Um, Napier, who had his hands up throughout the interaction, was found unarmed and charged only with fair evasion. So someone called the police on this young man and said he had a gun. And so the police flooded the subway, um, pointed their guns at the car, and he did not have a gun. Uh, the second instance, um, a day later, cops responded to reports of a fight at J Street and Metro Tech Station. During a chaotic struggle, a police officer was caught on video punching two teenagers in the face, one of whom is now suing. And so after that, um, there's been massive demonstrations in New York to oppose the police presence in the MTA stations. Um, Almost a 1,000 New Yorkers took to the streets to protest the measures, eventually jumping the turnstiles while chanting, how do you spell racist, NYPD? Yeah, so this is just, you know, going along the same lines of the whole country tackling, grappling with police brutality and the ways that police officers treat people of color. Um, that's yeah, um, police, the increased police presence often leads to more violence towards people of color. Right, right. So instead of putting money into, you know, lowering fares to make it so that people don't have to jump these turnstiles or, you know, other things to uplift people out of poverty, their solution was to put a shit ton of money into, there's like these insane cameras. Like they were installing cameras at every single individual turnstile and like flooding the subway system with police. Like that's not cheap and that's not, a solution for the people who most need access to public transportation. Yeah, like this is a very this is a public good. People with in, from poverty and marginalized groups benefit like so much from public transportation. And there's a lot of studies that show the benefits, right? Right. I don't have the number on hand, but there's like an insane um, pay increase with better public transit. So the better a public transit a city has, the more wages that people in poverty make. So we should make public transit free is what I'm hearing. <laughs> right. We 1,000% should. Like if people are jumping turnstiles and there's fare evasion, then you should consider what the actual problems are and not just fucking police the shit out of your people. Like, yeah. That's not Surveillance a real solution. Bad. Yeah. Um, state power bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Right now in Texas... There uh, is a man named Rodney Reed who <sighs> maintains his innocence and has been on death row for 21 years. Um, and since his trial, there's been a lot of evidence um, showing his innocence, but the judicial system has pretty much been ignoring it. And so there are a lot of groups, including the Innocence Project, who are really trying to lobby for this man to be... Um, Reed, but also be taken off death row because he is Reed. Rodney Reed is scheduled for execution on November twentieth, twenty nineteen, which is in thirteen days. Um, and so the Innocence Project made this really cool chart with ten facts that you should know about the case, and I think it did a really good job of um, pretty much showing how ridiculous. Um, <laughs> This whole situation is. Um, all right. 
the murder weapon has never been tested for DNA evidence. The state's three forensic experts have admitted on the record to errors in their testimony, which led to Reed's conviction and death sentence. Renowned forensic pathologists, including Michael Baden, Warner Spitz, Leroy Riddick, um, have all concluded that Reed's guilt is medically and scientifically impossible. Rodney Reed and Stacy Stites, the victim, the victim, were having a consensual sexual relationship. For months after the murder, Jimmy Fennell was the prime suspect in the case. A record of one of the police investigators indicates that Fennell was suspect in the murder of Stites, uh, motivated by her relationship with. Okay, I mean, some of the background of this is that. He was having a relation of uh, a relationship with a woman who was married to a police officer. So that's the basis of the story is that it's we pretty much know that the police officer is the one who killed his wife for having this affair with this black man. Um, but the black man is the one who's getting. Sentenced. Which again, Texas. So, yeah. Anyway, continuing. Fennel is the other is the police officer that probably did it. Um, Fennel's best friend at the time of the crime, Bastrop Sheriff's Officer Curtis David Davis, has now revealed that Fennel gave an inconsistent account of where he was on the night of the murder. Two witnesses have come forward in recent weeks and submitted signed affidavits that adds to the mounting evidence against Jimmy Fennel. Fennel later served a 10-year prison term for a sex crime and kidnapping Law enforcement records also documented a pattern of violence against women perpetuated by Fennel. Uh, the case was racially charged because Reed is black. Um, and a confession by Jimmy Fennel has come to light. On October 29, 2019, Arthur Snow, a former member of the Aryan Brotherhood and prison mate of Jimmy, disclosed, disclosed a conversation in which Jimmy actually confessed to the murder of Stacy Stites saying, I had to kill my N-word loving fiance. It was a fiance, not wife, my bad. Yeah, so, um... <laughs> yeah, so the thing is that we, there's so many different celebrities coming out against this case. There's so much, there's been international attention coming to this case, and yet they won't postpone the... Execution date. Right, so if there's any sort of maybe it wasn't him then we shouldn't be executing him right we should go back in a trap i don't understand why they are like so anti like that like his they had he should a, be able to appeal they had an appeal to the supreme court and it was rejected um for because the dna yeah the dna was never tested um and i that, i don't understand um I, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, if there is, I mean, number one, in my opinion, there should be no death penalty. <laughs> um, but if there's any um, any question of, of his guilt, then he should definitely not be on death row. Like, that is so awful. And, I mean, if there are ten, any one of these ten facts, or ten of the ten things that we said could could have alleviated him of the guilt. And if there are 10 very credible things, I just, yeah, very frustrating. 
I mean, it's another case of the system being against black people, right? They're protecting their own officers and throwing a black person under the bus, which is uh, an American pastime. That's that's pretty yeah. consistent with American history. This is our fourth show, and how many um, how many <laughs> stories police. have we done on police brutality against black people in Texas? Literally, <laughs> like specifically in Texas. There were two in one of our shows. Like it's. Ay, ay, ay. Um, yeah. Anyway, if you can do anything, um, there look, are things. We'll I'll post something later. Yeah, we'll post some resources um, for you, our loyal listeners. To <laughs> There's help. some calls we can all make yeah. tonight. Um. All right. In other great news, uh, <laughs> that was sarcasm. Uh-huh. Um. Uh-huh. There is a new Trump policy that restricts um, adoptions to LGBTQ families, which uh, I thought Ah. Trump was good for the gays. I thought he was (laughs) pro-LGBTQ. So the story is the Department of Health and Human Services announced a new rule um, on last Friday that would allow adoption agencies and other programs that receive HHS grants to reject same-sex couples and rainbow families on the basis of religious uh, freedom. So before, um, if you were an adoption agency receiving money from the government, you could not discriminate against queer people or... Right, because a lot of uh, orphanages and things are religiously based, but if they were getting, uh, yeah, any federal funding, then they couldn't discriminate. The proposed regulation would nullify an Obama-era policy that prohibited federally funded agencies from discriminating on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. Anti-LGBTQ groups have filed complaints against or had filed complaints against the Obama-era policy, claiming it went against the First Amendment and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And even though Trump administration regulation is in proposed status and subject to public comment, the administration through HHS, Health and Human Services, announced today that it will no longer enforce the Obama-era policy. So even though this was just proposed and hasn't been enacted, they're uh, not going to enforce the Obama policy that gave protections to these families. Yeah, laws are only as useful as their enforcement. So you can say something on paper, and it doesn't matter if it's not being enforced. Uh, Yeah. And, I mean, this is adoptions. Like... Kids need homes. Kids need home, and to like, I like to discriminate against where a kid goes. Like, I mean, obviously these adoption agencies make sure these families are safe, and there's so many. It's steps. so hard to adopt someone. It's very hard, and we, there's so many children who need homes. Adding another, adding another like obstacle just makes it worse for everyone. And when kids aren't adopted, then the government pays for their their lives and for foster and the foster system is yeah. not good yeah we should not be i there's <laughs> rampant abuse within the foster care system it's trying but it's not great yeah if if a child can be adopted into a home that wants it that should be the first yeah, and that's the other part that's bad about fostering is that even if they are good stable homes you're often pushed around like you're only in a home for so many months or so many years and having that instability as a child and switching school all those different things that's not good for you like being in one stable home 
is ideal. So why would we take that away from kids? For religious freedom, Allison. God! <laughs> <sighs> I don't trust those gays. Ugh. They're just going to love and support this child. Um, But there was some good news this week. <laughs> um, so Trump's license to discriminate healthcare law was struck down. So a federal judge in New York has struck down a Trump administration rule that would allow health providers to pretty much reject patients based on, again, religious freedom. Um, so they could opt out of a procedures to which they have a religious or moral objections, a policy that really threatened a lot of LGBTQ people. Yeah. Um, the most marginalized people are the ones who these policies usually affect. Yeah. Um, but on Wednesday, U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York found, honestly, that court is really good. A lot of good <laughs> things happen. A lot of good policies and rulings come out of that court. But they found that rule conflicts with Title Seven, which prohibits workplace discrimination and the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, an anti-patient dumping law that requires providers to care for people who come to emergency departments suffering from emergency medical conditions regardless of their ability to pay. So healthcare is a human right. You can't be, you legally like can't be denied access. Yeah. And that's what this judge found that this Trump ruling Went did. Yeah. Because they were literally saying, hey, if you don't agree with someone's lifestyle or who they are, you can reject them. Right. <laughs> um, judge Paul A. Inglemeyer also ruled that the rule was arbitrary and capricious. 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 Wow. Low cab. <laughs> Um, I'm an English major, <laughs> um, as there is no evidence that it was necessary on top of policies that already existed to assure that healthcare workers didn't have to provide services that violated their conscience. So this was just like kind of tacked on just to like, I think, make Trump voters feel good. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, this was definitely not to protect healthcare workers. This was to make discrimination legal um yeah anyway that's those are those are the news stories those of the are week. the news stories that we have for this week wow um, i'm so proud we we got through all of them i know well we'll uh play some music for you and uh be back with our main story which is what the fuck is ice <laughs> yes time to be learned Welcome back. Welcome back. This is UCLA Radio News. Is woke up call. call. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we did a lot of talking uh, just now. A lot of talking. But, uh, Lots of stories. You want to tell our lovely listeners what they listen to? Um, you just heard stories about PG and E, about California fires being fought by inmates, uh, about the New York. Subway and all that's, you know, bad police brutality happening around it right now. Uh, the Texas execution of Rodney Reed, even though he is an innocent black man. Um, Trump's gay adoption policies getting uh, 
no, that that's happening. That's yeah, bad. That's bad. <laughs> I don't like that one. Yeah. He doesn't want gay people to be able to adopt. But the health care policies were uh, rejected by uh, court. Yay. That's why it's important to have non-conservative judges. And uh, Yeah, I could go on all day about how the Democrats need to focus on the judicial branch like the Republicans do, but this is not the time and place for that. That's a different story. Yeah. But... Today's main story is, what the fuck is ICE? ICE. So it seems like pretty much every episode we've had, we've talked about, just like we've talked about police brutality in every episode, we've talked about something that ICE is doing in every episode. Because, yeah. They're up to a lot, those sleazy, <laughs> sleazy guys. <laughs> um, yes. So I'll tell you a bit about them. ICE stands for Immigration and Customs Enforcement. It is a branch of the Department of Homeland Security, and it is separate from things like Border Patrol and Customs. It's specifically like the law enforcement branch or like the police force of the Department of Homeland Security. It was founded in only in 2003. Yeah. But people like to like say this is an institution that we need. Uh, but it was only founded in 2003, you guys. This is not... Yeah, because Homeland Security was founded very in reaction to 9-11. Yeah, it, so was ICE. Yeah, I think it all was. Um, but yeah, so it was founded in 2003 by George W. Bush after 9-11 as his, a part of his push to fight terrorism and transnational crime. So, yeah, the whole point was just to help transnational crime across borders. Like, it wasn't going to be about um, regular border crossings. But for some reason, it absorbed the Immigration and Naturalization Services, which seems out of character with its other more aggressive mandates. So that's why people are calling for it to be dismantled and for its functions to be redistributed, because it should not be in charge, again, of handling regular border crossings as it's doing today, those should be given to some kind of regulatory agency that's there to uphold immigration law, not one that's designed specifically to deal with investigation and prosecution. On top of that, 19 other immigration and customs agencies themselves, so other branches of the Department of Homeland Security, have called for ICE to be dissolved because it's actually getting in the way of their mandates. So think about the idea of sanctuary cities, right? These are local governments that have vowed to protect their undocumented populations. And as such, they've stopped working with ICE. So that's gone for, to like barring them from operating in city limits. There's police forces that have been banned from like helping them. Um, they've been putting out alerts and like tracking the movements of ICE and telling people where they are and what they're doing, which is great. Uh, we should be restricting them from their tasks relating to enforcement and removal operations. Like, they shouldn't be allowed to just round people up as they have been. Um, but this makes it impossible for ICE and these other related bodies to do their other jobs, like dealing with trafficking, fraud, and cybercrime. So, for example, they helped take down the Silk Road, which was a cyber drug trafficking operation, and they helped arrest El Chapo. Um... So that's why all these other 
uh, international enforcement agencies are saying, yeah, we should break up ICE because they're only known for this one horrendous thing they're doing. And so none of us can do our real jobs and it's making all of us less safe. That makes a lot of sense. So they, the ICE has a lot of jobs, but they're really focusing on this immigration, detaining people, and in reaction, people are against that, and this is causing normal, just immigration-related things to not happen. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this all has to do with Trump, right? So, obviously, ICE... All of America's policies on immigration have been ramping up through since Reagan, right? So Clinton was the one who really started to criminalize people. Bush de- created the Department of Homeland Security. Obama then used ICE to deport everyone. He, I think the most deportations happened under Obama, right? Yeah, yeah. And it just shows that this is, this is a ball that's been rolling. Like this is a logical conclusion to sort of where we've been going. It's so, not all of a sudden this has been happening for years. Right, right. So it's interesting that our attention is just being called to it now. And I think that's just because Trump is the one to finally take it to its logical conclusion, right? He's, yeah, he's not afraid to just be the worst person in the <laughs> world. Like, he's like, yeah, like, I'll do it. <laughs> like, ooh, I'll be despicable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he has, yeah, he does not care. That's what ICE is. That's how we've gotten here. I really, uh, also another thing I'm going to post on our Instagram is this really great three-part series that Radiolab did with UCLA's own Dr. Jason DeLeon, who I'm obsessed with, um, about how our immigration policy has gotten us here. Uh, If you're interested, you should listen. Anyway, back to ICE. Moral of the story, it's not some long-standing institution that we need for protection. We're actually less safe now than if it were dismantled and its tasks broken up. And it's also outright abusive. So I'm going to yeah talk about some of the bad abuses that have yeah, happened. Which Andres. we've talked about on our past shows, a few of them. Yeah. So... Um, There have been reports of rampant, abusive, and racist language, which makes sense within the camps. Uh, The ICE officers are pretty outwardly racist. I mean, yeah. Who who really is gonna say, "Hey, I want to be, I want to be an ICE officer"? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What what crowd is that gonna draw? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Since the start of Trump's presidency, twenty four people have died in ICE custody. Um, They have been using prolonged solitary confinement, which is a UN-recognized form of torture. Uh, So that's solitary confinement that lasts longer than 15 days. Oh, my God. Yeah, which is crazy, because they say that you can start, like, losing your mind within seven hours. Yeah, I could. (laughs) And that 15 days is where it's actual torture. If I'm alone for more than five, no, for like three hours, I <laughs> go crazy. I, If you follow me on Twitter, I'll start tweeting a lot. Um, I'll be texting a lot of people. Allison has probably received these. Um, 
I I mean, obviously, I can't imagine being in solitary confinement in an ICE um, detention camp, but, like, oh, my God. Yeah, you really can't play down how, like, bad solitary confinement can be for people's mental health. Um, But the fucked up thing is, is that they've put people in solitary confinement specifically because they're dealing with mental illness and ICE doesn't want to deal with it. So, for example, a man diagnosed with schizophrenia was sentenced to 390 days in solitary confinement after a schizophrenic episode. Um, One man was sentenced to 45 days after guards found a single anti-anxiety pill hidden in the book. And there have been many others that have been deemed suicidal, and their response to dealing with someone who is suicidal is to throw them into solitary confinement. Yeah, um, in our last episode, we saw the death of a man who um, was bleeding from his brain and how um, unequipped the ICE officers and holding facilities were at dealing with that because they're not usually held in real um, prisons that they're usually local jails or private um, places. Yeah, yeah. So they've been known to not know how to deal with anyone medically. Um, So also, a really, really bad stat is that in the last four years, there have been 4,500 complaints about sexual abuse of children. Oh, my God. Isn't that a lot? I I have not heard of that before. That's literally like three and four children every day are sexually abused in ICE custody. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It's not great, people. Um, So, yeah, we've been continually talking about these abuses, like, every week since we've started. Um, But the one that came up this week was there's new evidence saying that ICE deleted videos related to the investigation of the death of Roxana Hernandez-Rodriguez a transgender woman who died in ICE custody. So they wanted to say that it was just her HIV that was acting up, um, but she was not given proper treatment, medical treatment for HIV, as we were just saying. People do not just die of HIV in today's world of medical treatments. It is 100% not a death sentence um, with proper medical um, care and treatment, you're good. <laughs> like, yeah, this shouldn't have happened. And, um, so that's that's just one part of it. So they say it was her HIV, but an independent autopsy report suggested that the death was more closely tied to physical abuse and dehydration. So she not only was she not getting care, she was being abused and not given basic subsistence. And so, of course her HIV acted up and she died of it. Yeah, no. I mean, I just remember the video of Vice President Pence visiting a detention center. And you would think that when the vice president is visiting um, this institution, or not institution, this place that his whole administration has been, like, lobbying for and, like, trying to support, they would, like, make it look good at least. But the conditions inside were terrible. Um... You can find the video online. Um, the detainees were just like complaining about the 
just the cleanliness. I think there were just yeah, there was whole stories about like their lack of toothpaste. Like the ice prison people wouldn't give them toothpaste. I think they hadn't showered in like months. Um, there were just like feces everywhere. Um, and this is when the vice president of the United States is visiting. Like yeah. this is on their best their best hour, I guess. So the picture that we've been able to get, which we haven't been able to get a lot of pictures or images from inside because they're very secretive. Um, but what we've actually gotten to see has not painted a good picture. It's a very abusive yeah. image. Yeah. So, I mean, the things that I've presented were just happened to be the most heinous things. But there's so many day-to-day things that people are just not treated as people in these detention centers. Um, but there are currently some protests happening that may be able to help in a very weird way that I wouldn't have thought. Um, there are a bunch of corporations with contracts with ICE. So very basic like office work things like UPS and Xerox and Comcast. You know, these people need internets for their offices. Um, and the workers of a lot of these tech companies actually have planned like mass walkouts of their jobs saying that if you don't um, quit your contract with ICE, I'm we're not going to work. Yeah, which is, that's so good. That's so smart. Yeah, it's like an angle that I would have never thought about, but they can't function if Without they don't have copy. Amazon. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's like GitHub, Amazon, Microsoft, like. Yeah, they get all of their furniture from Amazon, which we'll see if Amazon. Yeah, we'll see if it actually goes. <laughs> we'll see anywhere. if these corporations actually end up uh, <laughs> doing anything. Listening to their um, employees, but. But yeah, I thought that was a really great way to organize and like a really effective thing to like hit them where it hurts. You yeah. know, like if Amazon really did pull out of this contract, like where would that leave ICE? Make it impossible for them to. Um, function i like it i like it yeah so i don't know we'll see what happens um check our socials later we'll post some resources that we talked to or talked about um at ucla woke up call on instagram we post resources and photos and updates um and if you Came in late to the show and didn't catch everything. We'll be posting a podcast version um, later this week at some time. And that'll be linked on all our socials and stuff. Yeah. Um, you can access our podcast at anchor.fm slash woke up call or just go to our socials and yeah. 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 Thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. I hope you've learned some things and aren't too sad. Yeah, and again, if you have any comments, complaints, questions that we didn't answer, um, reach out to us on our social media. Yeah, criticize us. Yeah, if we miss something, (laughs) tell us we're wrong. Tell us we're wrong, please. Uh, Yeah. Bye.